You're listening to the Live Out Loud podcast with River Wynn and Michelle Flamer. Oh, River! Michelle! (laughs) (laughs) What's up, hot stuff? Well, I've got my Starbucks, and I've got a croissant, and I'm here with you. And we have an amazing guest to be on the podcast today that I'm so excited about, my lovely friend, Angie Brown-Harris. Hi! <laughs> We're excited. Yes, yeah. we how are. You, how long have you known Angie? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean... Her younger sister and I have been best friends since we were probably about 13, 14. So, I mean, I've known Angie. I mean, I didn't know you super well back then, Angie, but. Yeah, I, I knew, mean, I knew of you. Yeah. More like, than I, had... like, knew you. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've been in proximity for, for what, like, 18 Ever. years now? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too long mm-hmm. to count. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But. I want to have you introduce yourself in your own words so you can kind of tell us about yourself and your story and who you are and what you do. Who I am and what I do. Uh, My name is Angie Brown Harris. As you already said, I, for a career, right? Like that's always where we start. Here's, I am my career. I am not. Um, But what I have done for work for the vast majority of my life is massage therapy. I've been a massage therapist for 22 years. Um, At the age of 37, which I think we're going to dive into, I made a shift and changed a lot of things in my life. And one of them was was a career change. I haven't ever stopped doing massage, but I definitely lessened that significantly. And I am now a coach, a coach of women of empowerment and whether that be in nutrition or mindset or really just harnessing who they were when they let the world tell them differently. Um, In my sort of non-public professional life, I love to run anytime that I can be outside. I want to be. I have two kids, 15 and 20 years old. One is launched, one is in high school. Um, Yeah, that's that's the bullet points of me. When River said, we want you to be on the podcast, I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I, and you yeah. went through a divorce process and finding love after divorce. Yes. And I yeah. have stepped into a There's new... hope, River. There's hope. It, <laughs> let me just tell you how much hope there is. Yeah. If, if I can say one thing, just to say, start you off, you I have a lot of things. 10. I have a lot of things. Um, but there is hope and that hope starts in standing in your power and understanding who you are. And when you know those things, what is meant for you comes to you and the relationships that you get to have and build in that space are unbelievable. So Mm -hmm. there is hope. I assure you. So I love that there's hope, but I want to hear how you got to that place where, you know, before the, okay. Okay. So, um, it starts, I mean, the big kind of aha, the the shift started in January of 2016. Um, I had been a runner and very active in my life since 2011. I started running in 2011, started to shift some things about myself and my health. Um, And the relationship that I was in at that time 
sometimes was supportive of that and sometimes wasn't so supportive of that. And in January of 2016, kind of came to a crux where I felt like I needed to take my power back. I needed something for myself and I hired a coach. Uh, The coach was in the nutrition capacity. I had been gaining and losing the same 20 pounds for five years. Oh, it's just not me. (laughs) No, it's not just you. I can help you with that, by the way. Um, I, I had been gaining and losing the same 20 pounds for a long time. And I wanted to understand nutrition on a different level. My friend Brittany had just opened a franchise of a company called the Diet Doc. Mm -hmm. And I had been hearing about this whole counting macros thing and flexible dieting and you can eat Pop-Tarts and lose weight and like all this stuff. And I was like, all right, teach me. Like I need something. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I need some Pop-Tarts and losing weight. Hell yeah. Boom. (laughs) So she said to me at that time, because she was, we were friends, she was aware of my relationship stuff that this was either going to be the best time for me to do this, or this was going to be the worst time for me Mm. to do this. And in the five month program that I did with her, I lost 35 pounds and I learned so much about myself. By the end of that program, I was still finding myself wanting to be involved in the community she was building in the other clients that she had and being other people's cheerleader and telling them my experience and supporting them through what they were doing. And a couple of months later, she said to me, have you ever thought about doing this? And I was like, do what? I don't don't know what you're talking about. What do you want me to do? And she said, being a coach, I think that you would be really good at this. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Let, let, let me think about it. And the more that I thought about it, the more that it just absolutely married everything that I love to do. I love to be in community with people. I love to empower people. I love to support them and help them understand the capabilities that they have lost in themselves somewhere along the way. Ironically, can, can we go for it? Just to, and not to like interrupt fully, but can can you go back to what you learned about yourself during that process? Oh my. Or even just a couple of moments of like clarity for yourself. Cause clarity is popping up a lot for people lately. Yeah. Clarity. What I learned mm-hmm. about myself is that the stories I had been telling myself were not the truth. Like what that, like that I needed to eat every single hour to keep from being hungry. Gotcha. Like I actually wasn't going to die if I waited two hours <laughs> right. to eat. Right. Like, and I didn't have to do everything black and white. There was a lot of gray and a lot of flexibility to be had in my life. And I learned in that, that I was filling a lot of things with food that Mm. were gaps in my life. Like that was missing things in, in my life, nourishing things that I was then nourishing with food. Mm. So those were those were a couple of the things that were brought to light in that, in that, and that making me happy was at the top of the list that prioritizing everyone else in my life over myself wasn't actually getting me where I wanted to go. We just talked about that, right? Michelle, (laughs) we talked about like how, you know, as moms, it's, 
it's so hard to take care of ourselves sometimes when you're so focused on making everyone else happy and taking care of everyone else. And it's such a huge moment when you realize that you've been doing that. (laughs) And that when you pour into yourself, it pours back into everyone else around you. So it has the opposite effect of what you think it's going to do. We feel like it's so selfish Mm -hmm. to, you know, take care of ourselves, but truly that's the thing that we need the most and our families need the most. Well, that's what I'm curious about. Like how old were you when you had that little shift? Me? Yeah. Um, 37. And then were the kids at home, the boys, one of the boys, they were, were they both under the same roof at that time? My kid, my kids are both girls, but, um, Oh, sorry. Your girl. Yes. Girl, yeah. They kids, were, yeah. they were eight and 13 at the Got time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if um, eight 13, when you went through that and you started to take care of yourself, what did you learn then? And how did your kids see you? In that, that they're period? watching. That's what I learned. They were watching now, right? Like they were eight and 13, then they're five, 15 and 20. Now Mm -hmm. my kids love to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. They love to move their bodies. They love to eat well. They have learned that when they eat well, they feel well. Um, They have, they each have their own unique, obviously like passions and capabilities and nurture those things within themselves. My youngest daughter, she loves to pick up heavy shit. At 13 years old, she figured out that weightlifting was really, really fun. And feeling that power was really, really good. And imagine what we had felt if we knew that about ourselves at 13 years old. Oh my God. I actually can say (laughs) I did because I'm a lifelong athlete. I mean, nice athletics for me is therapy. I mean, I used to call my gym at home. I I started having a gym at home in 2018, living in Oregon, just because of the rain and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to drive 40 minutes back and forth, you know, all together Mm -hmm. to go to the gym. And so I built up this gym for myself and I called it the therapy room, you know, because awesome. It's just that, but I, what I want to know is I want to go beyond the kids and beyond the the fitness part. I want to understand how it altered you within the family dynamic Mm -hmm. because you're about to get divorced at that point, right? Yep. So that's, so that's what I want to know. Like, where did it evolve through to get you, you know, to like build that power up within you? Yeah. So it came up at a sort of culmination, I went to a four day personal development seminar mm-hmm. called, um, the personal effect, personal effectiveness seminar, PES through a company called wings at the time. And that four days, that four days, I'm in zero exaggeration, changed my life, like transformed my life, taught me to stand in my integrity and what I knew was true for me. Didn't matter if anybody else understood it. I knew my truth and honored it and was going to walk in it. And Mm -hmm. doing that meant that I could no longer stay in the relationship that I was in because I couldn't stay in my integrity and do it. And that transition was hard. Of course, as I said to him, it is time for us to redefine our relationship from married couple to collaborative Mm -hmm. co-parents. I can say with integrity- I did. I, I can say with pride that seven years later, we have done exactly that. Mm. Um, it has been a challenge, but, Mm -hmm. but we are collaborative co-parents and I just was no longer doing anything that I thought the, 
world thought that I should if it wasn't in alignment with what I knew was right and true for me. And that right and true for me is a feeling. It's a feeling inside of my gut. It's a feeling like I can point to it right where it happens. And when I am not in alignment with that spot, I don't do those things. And so as the world was judging me, as rumors were being spread and things were being said, I knew my truth and I knew what was happening and I was walking in it. And part of that was shifting my career a bit and helping other women to do exactly those same things. Yes, River, I choose. So you. yeah, what I mean, like we live <laughs> we live in the same we live in the same town, right? And so you know, having known you for so long, um, and for myself, um, having gone through the experience of like getting divorced in a small town and going through shifts in a big town, I'm just curious having known you for so long, like what was that like for you going through all of that shift in a small town where people who've known you for so long tend to put you in a box of how they see you and how they expect Mm. you to be. What was your experience with that? Like not only were things changing like internally in your family Mm -hmm. system, but like Mm -hmm. everything is changing in like relationships out in the community and how people see you. So how was Mm -hmm. that experience? Um, it Typically, things went one of two ways. Mm -hmm. People either stopped talking to me because they believed whatever other thing was happening or they felt like was happening, or they leaned into me and said, teach me. Like, Mm -hmm. what what is happening with you is what I need for myself. And it was isolating in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And you're just constantly seeking your truth and your integrity and walking within that. Um, I lost a lot of friends, my social structure completely fractured. And yet, you know, that, I mean, cliches are cliche because they're true, right? Like your true friends show themselves. The people that stay by your side are the people that are meant to. And I have some incredibly strong, deep friendships. Mm -hmm. There's just a handful of them, you know, and still seven years later, I'm still continually trying to rebuild that social structure. Mm. Um, Adult friendship is hard. (laughs) and uh, It is. It is. I will say though, I love, you know, having known you for so long, getting to see your transition, but then also now having an adult friendship with you. Yeah. And getting kind of like, lean into you as well. You've been such an inspiration for me. Thank you. So I'm curious, like when your clients find you, yeah, are they at the edge of their ropes typically? And they're looking for therapists slash fitness slash, you know, heart coach and things mm-hmm. like that. Or are they, yeah. I mean, I'm just curious where they are on their, you know, on the spectrum of their journey that what, what that yeah, it like. kind of, it kind of depends. Sometimes yeah. they walk in the door and they're quote unquote, just looking to lose weight, cool. right? Like they have, they need an accountability partner. They need an accountability partner and they walk in wanting to lose weight. And I start by saying, if you are here for a meal plan, you're in the wrong place because that is not what I do. Right. Um, Cause you could find a meal plan anywhere on the internet. And if this was about, if this was about the food, you would have already done this. This is about your relationship mm-hmm. with the food and your relationship with yourself. And where I start with all of my clients is exactly the same place, which is having them 
kind of log and track and their what they're taking in in terms of nutrition and their activity so I can get a genuine sense of what that looks like. And then we figure out where we want to go. That helps me understand what their challenges are. What are the foods that they're taking in? How often are they eating? All that kind of stuff. So does so like childhood I, trauma come up through that? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like, like, oh, my mom used to do this. Then my dad did this. Or my grandmother, because we lived with generational family, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So there's always things that kind of come up simply in that logging and tracking. People will say, I don't want to because of fill in the blank, or this is what I learned about myself just in that one week of doing that. And so that gives us something to go on. So the path that I step onto with each person is their own and I will walk it with them for as long as they want to walk wherever they want to go. Um, but that place that we start is always the same. That being said, through my nutrition practice over the last nearly seven years, um, and my own personal growth practice, I developed a program completely separate from nutrition because I saw more and more what people really needed was the mindset work and the personal mm-hmm. development work and the empowerment mm-hmm. work, which is really where my passion lies. Like the thing that brings them is oh, in I the door is the body food, right? right? But that's where that's my jam as the saying goes. And so, um, Yeah. That's, that's my thing. I freaking love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a third co-host. You just let me know. There you go. Oh <laughs> man. Two generators against a manifester. Whoo. Get shit done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, have you heard of the, um, the nutrition, uh, whole 30. Have you heard of the yeah. whole 30? Okay. Yeah. So my friend, um, created it with her. Melissa. Ex- yeah. Melissa Hartwig. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Melissa urban though is mm-hmm. how she goes by. Um, yeah, but, um, and the one thing that I really, really appreciated about when it first came out, it was 2015 for me where I sort of found it and the psychology of food, right. Well, that's what we're kind of talking about here, but, it, and it, it, and then the whole 30 is kind of lost its way within, within the confines of people like being trendy or whatnot. But the original way that Melissa wrote it was to read this book prior to embarking on it. Because the most important part of other than, I mean, leaving starch out, leaving certain foods out and to wrap your head around another diet, like when no one Mm -hmm. survives or has success on diets, they never Um, it's, it's about creating a lifestyle and finding what works for you. But the thing about the whole 30 that I really appreciated was that it was more about finding what, um, what intolerances you had towards certain foods and how they would kick into your body, whether you get bloat, break out the wheat belly, you know, the wheat stuff. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And inflammation and all that sort of stuff. And so, but so when I say this to some people and explain to them really what Whole30 was about was not to be a freaking diet by any no. means, it was to eliminate some of the things that give most people, unfortunately, because of the way we farm and produce food yeah. 
days. And um, it's not our grandparents, uh, you know, you know, era of, um, of food, right? It's not, it's not those yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's, everything is so hyper produced. Hold on one second. And I, I love the fact that you do it for 30 days. You're supposed yeah. to, yeah, you're supposed I, to only do it for 30 yeah, days. I, I did it for 60, honestly, because I was feeling so good. I was actually nervous about bringing stuff back in because I just was feeling so amazing. I mean, my rosacea cleared up. And then when you come back and you like do a day of, of legumes, and then you take, then you go back on your whole 30 to give your body a break and see how it feels. And then you do another day of blah, blah, blah. And you kind of start to reintroduce things slowly. No one talks about that anymore as far yeah. as whole 30, but that was the purpose of it. And I think, but, and the psychology behind all of that really helped me now up until to now. I mean, because yeah. And like whole 30 from my understanding is really about self-discovery. Yeah. It's really to understand what, how foods affect you, what your relationship is, what is your response when you think about eliminating these things? Like That's it's right. really comfort. about yeah, like a self-discovery yeah. journey. River, you may speak now. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, you too, sure. you generators. Oh my gosh, I can't even with you. Here. <laughs> I'm like over here raising my hand like the kid in the classroom. <laughs> I know, it's tap in, tap in. We love well, it. No, I, I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about, you know, the whole 30 and elimination, all of that. But really what it comes down to for a lot of people is that there's emotions that need to be eliminated. There yep. are there's yeah. baggage, there's childhood trauma, there's wounds that are just begging to be addressed. And for so many people that manifests as physical problems, that manifests as food relationship, as health, because our body is begging for us to deal with those things because it stores yeah. in our body, right? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you as a coach, you're, you're not working with people just to like on their food, you're helping them eliminate the emotional side of things yes. to say what we, what needs to be cleared out to get mm -hmm. you to where you need to be to feel your best self. Yep. And so then like circling back to like your process, as you were going through this process with your divorce and changing your career, what things were you finding yourself eliminating the most to kind of push Ooh. yourself forward? Ooh, Ooh good, good question. question. Manifesting um, in the past. <laughs> what did I eliminate? Um, I adore you. Wow. I haven't thought about that. You I, can journal on it later. Too, yeah, <laughs> I think I might. I mean, I eliminated, there was things that were eliminated um, without my consent, if that makes sense. Like mm. there was things that were kind of cleared yeah. out a lot. I eliminated uh concern about what other people thought mm -hmm. i eliminated those those kinds of things and really paid attention to my body and how i was feeling um i mean ultimately later down the road there was a health health diagnosis for my myself which caused me some dietary elimination which allowed me to learn even more about myself but when I think about that time when I was um, really shifting and changing so many things, what I really eliminated was the noise, the noise mm. from other people and their opinions and what they thought. And I just really stood in what I knew 
to be true for me. And you know, the stillness, right? What mm-hmm. What is that Japanese um, term for stillness? I can't remember right now. I'll have to. I have move. no idea. It's, it's really a cool practice, but I mean, River, you kind of did that last night. You oh heard, yeah. I mean, thought, I, I, I shared like, about it on my Instagram, you know, yeah. yesterday of, of, you know, um, for myself, like a, a big practice I have for myself is anytime I start feeling, um, emotionally cluttered, I start feeling like I'm intaking a lot from other people energetically or opinions and information and I'm having a hard time with my clarity. I head to nature. Like, I'm like, see you society, see you town. Like I'm headed out. I'm going somewhere where there's no reception and I'm going to spend a couple of hours meditating and journaling. And that's what I did last night because when you, I've, I found in, the, in my own process, and I'm sure Angie, you found this too. Like when you get still within yourself and listen to yourself, that is where everything you need and you need to work through comes up. And that is where all the clarity comes from. So yeah, I run, I go for a run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you go for a run. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's so it's called Shinrin Yoku mm-hmm. and seeking stillness in nature. And it says here using the Japanese concept of nature therapy for mental clarity. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Shinrin Yoku. So awesome. They literally transpl- translates to forest bathing, which is one of my Ooh, like, forest, bathing. About forest bathing that's my jam yeah functional nutrition and stuff Wait, that, yeah. that's an actual that's an actual term forest oh, bathing. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah i have oh, a book yeah. on it oh i mm-hmm. didn't know that i've mm-hmm. just been doing it you do you naturally have been bathing. <laughs> it's perfect you don't have to know it's a thing for anybody else for it to be a thing for you exactly like i think so mm-hmm. I, and that that brings me to my next question for you angie so like as you're working with clients do you find that people seem to have common tools that work for them or does everyone like have a unique tool that works best for them that they discover in the process everyone thinks they should which is one of my least favorite words mm-hmm. thinks they we don't should on ourselves we should all <laughs> over ourselves everyone thinks that they should be doing something that someone else is doing. They see this is working for this person. This is working for that person. They haven't found their thing yet. They've tried whatever it is, or they think that there is some magical diet or some protocol or whatever that should be working for them. And Mm -hmm. they can't seem to make it work. And so what I seek to do is help them discover and understand what those things are about themselves. Like, I can't tell you how many people, women in their thirties, forties, fifties are typically who I, who I work with. Um, everyone in my be your own kind of badass group right now is in their forties and fifties. Um, and they're like, I need a hobby. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm not working and I'm not parenting. I don't know what to do with myself. And I Mm. am like, well, what things interest you? And they're, you know, give me the, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and I will ask them, what did you like to do when you were 10? Mm -hmm. What were the things that you liked to do when you were 10? And, you know, a woman I was talking to last week said, oh my gosh, my sister and I would just run around in the woods, like crazy people. And I said, when was the last time you went for a hike? Have you ever thought about going for a hike? And she's like, that's a really good idea. Like she just has forgotten who she is, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I, I seek to discover the badass group. Oh, my be your own kind of badass group is, I don't want to over-dramatize it because that's my sister's role, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she'll listen to this and she'll think that was funny. Um, <laughs> I can already hear her laughing. <laughs> it was, it is my life's work. If I'm being mm. really, really honest, um, yeah. I have done a lot of things the chills, in my so life. I, I get that. I have done a lot of things in my life that people qualify as badass. I've run marathons. I ride my bike up mountains. Like when I was in high school, I was the girl that was on the dance team and in the marching band at the same time. Like I just, I did things that weren't normal, but it made complete sense to me. And that is my doing it. Cause it was just, it was just what made sense. Like it's joyful. Totally. And so I, over time, have seen how much other women have lost that part of themselves, their badassness. And why? your badassness is not my badassness, well, right? Why like, do they you don't lose need it in the first place. Mm-hmm. They give it too. away to other people. <laughs> they take on the role of mother, they take on the role of wife, they take on the role of employee, they take on all these other roles and push themselves to the side and forget who they are and how they like to act and what it is that they like to do because they've given away all these parts of themselves. So mm-hmm. in taking my power back and understanding myself more fully, I noticed some things that were beneficial in that transformation. And I put them together in an eight week group coaching program. It still is very much individualized the process. It's all virtual. Okay, good. Um, We'll we'll put the information in the notes. Yeah. It's all, Mm -hmm. it's all virtual. I run it a couple of times a year. Um, I have a couple of people that have come into another program that I developed, which is called badass 365, which we work together for 365 days. And you have a lot of access to me to support you in whatever capacity that looks like. Um, and where you want to go, where you're feeling stuck, whatever I can do to support that I do. And I completely customize a program to them that can include nutrition. It can include fitness. It can include a lot of mindset work. It can include talking you off the edge. If you are, you know, whatever, like it really is very personal and very powerful. I have four women that I'm working with right now in that capacity. And it's just my very favorite thing in all of the land. What seems and I will say, I will say as someone who is also currently working with Angie, <laughs> you are, you are so good at making people feel seen and heard in those moments. I just want to like tell you that, you know, cause Angie and I Thank go you. for a walk every week Well, when we're not traveling or doing other things, yeah, but we yeah. go for a walk and, and um, you're just, you're so good at helping, like holding up a mirror for people to see what it is that they're kind of missing from the bigger picture, which is where people get so mired down, right? Like they have all the little pieces, but they just need someone to hold up a mirror and say, have you thought about this? Have you discovered or explored this? What about trying this? Like those nudges. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you for saying that. So, um, like, so what are the, any, any trending themes right now amongst the the core women that you work with? Like what, what's heavy on hearts these days? 
um, the letting go that selfish is bad. Mm. It's, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay. But this is what we try. We talk about sometimes amongst like mom friends, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is it really selfish? Exactly. Exactly. My, it's what I have shifted and helped them to understand is that you have to be self-centered. You have to put yourself. Not self-centered, egotistical. Yes. It's self-centered meaning. If you think of your life as a wheel, right? Like if you think of a wagon wheel, we're talking like Oregon trail kind of wagon, wagon wheel, right? And you are the middle. You are the center of that wheel. And all the spokes that go out from that wheel are the things that you do to support yourself. Moving your body outside in nature, eating well, drinking enough water, making sure you're getting enough sleep, whatever your stress, de-stress practices look like. The more spokes you have in that wheel, the stronger the support for all the other stuff rotating outside, all the other things that you have to manage every day, the kids, the job, the family obligations, the whatever, all the things on the outside of that wheel are going to function and roll more smoothly, the more spokes and the more that you support the thing that is in the center, which is you. Mm -hmm. So do you teach that to your kids like naturally, or like when you were coming out of the divorce and you're, you were into more of your power, did your relationship with the kids change in that moment as well? Absolutely. Yes. Um, helping my kids to trust themselves and to do what they know is right and true for them, no matter what anyone else thinks. Were they okay during the divorce? How, how did they handle it all? Um, I think okay is a relative term. Like we, um, when I, again, I was very intentional with my words when we sat down and had this conversation with them. And I said to them, it is, it is my goal for you that you will be able to say that you came from two loving homes instead of just one. Mm. And so I have been very fortunate that even though, um, you know, divorce is is emotional and it's tumultuous and there's pain and there's, you know, all of that stuff. He and I have no matter never, who never, pulled the bandaid, no matter. Yeah, no matter who pulled the bandaid, right? right? Like it was still painful for me, even though it was my idea, right? Mm-hmm. And it so, was all of our ideas here. Yeah, it was even though I wanted it and I was the one that instigated it, it still hurt me because I knew that this was gonna change the trajectory of their lives forever. And, and I knew you were selfish. What was that mindset at that moment where you're like, you were because I in the moment because I knew if either one of my kids were feeling what I was feeling, I would want them to make the same decision. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Yeah, so you yeah. want because to model what? Yes, I okay. wanted them to know if ever you are in a place that you know is no longer right for you, you have the power mm-hmm. and ability to change it. You have the power and Which, ability oh. to get out of it. It's such a powerful lesson for our kids to learn. I mean, for me, I I watched my parents stay married miserably for 25 years and no one was teaching me that it's Mm -hmm. okay to say no Mm -hmm. to the things that no longer serve you. The Mm -hmm. message was, 
you stick with it no matter what, because that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I love mm-hmm. that you sh- were able to show your kids that because what an empowering that's thing for our children to know. Giving. Yeah. 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 And I, like, and it still happens to this day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still happens to this day. My children have throughout their life since, since their dad and I separated had to make difficult decisions, made decisions that I wouldn't have made for them, but they knew was right for them. And I supported it. I have always joked, somebody asked me once, how would you define your parenting style? And I was like, um, do you think of like a bowling alley? Like my children are the bowling ball and they're living their life going down the alley. And I'm like the bumpers on the side. I'm the bumpers on the side going, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Back over that way. You're good. Keep going. Everything's fine. Nope. Back over that way. Like, so I am the structure on the outside and they are, you know, flexibly moving down. Is your ex happy? Do you think he's happier now? Did he notice? Have you had those conversations where he didn't even know he was unhappy at the time or, um, at this very moment, he's not particularly happy, but in the last seven years, um, he, yes, yes. Like we were just no longer good for each other. And we still, the thing that we always did very, very well together was parent. The thing we were always very, very good at is family. And we still get to do that. We still get to be their parents and support them unconditionally and love them unconditionally, even though I didn't. Because that's, that's also because of what you did, because you said, Agreed. I want to be intentional about how mm-hmm. we family, how mm-hmm. we, how we do this together going forward. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I have like, you're like, I don't, you're still part of my family. Like you're still my family. Yes, he is. But I, like, and the reality is I don't trust him with me, but I trust him with my kids. I know I have always seen his heart as a parent and I trust him implicitly with our children. I just don't trust him with me. And so so cool. I mean, we have, we have been able to continue to be a family. Like we literally had Christmas dinner together, all of us last, last year, and we will do it again this year. We sit together. We'll all sit together when we go to the soccer game in an hour, like who benefits my kids. Exactly. My kids have said, thank you. Thank you for continuing to be able to be friends with dad. We really appreciate it. We see it. We've also had to have a difficult conversation because they have voiced like, how can you guys get along so well now? Yeah. But you couldn't be married. And I'm like, we get along now because we're not trying to be married. That's right. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why we, we're not trying to have an intimate safe relationship with one another. We can functionally have a conversation and sit on the side of a soccer field or, you know, like throw a joint graduation party for our daughter when she graduated from high school. Like we can do those things because we don't have to have a relationship with one another outside. So I love this because this is the, this is the grouping I'm in right now, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. We're, you know, a year and a couple of months, you know, and Carrie uh, texted me yesterday with some pictures, like Facebook memories of Caden, like when she was little and it was so freaking cute. And then she said, 
you know, we may not have done it right together, but we did one thing right. And that's, we did her right. Like that's exactly mm -hmm. how I feel. And it was mm -hmm. so, it was so like, I, I'll, I'll text her probably in the next day or so, because it mm -hmm. got me like, it was so lovely to get that mm -hmm. text and know like where we came, but we've always been on the same exact page when it came to her and yep. still do. And I mean, we're, we were texting this morning and she was making me laugh, you know, cause mm -hmm. something the kid was doing, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just so yeah. amazing in that mm -hmm. respect. And we, yeah. we celebrated her, her, her birthday, um, a few, you know, like last week all together, like my mm -hmm. stepmom yeah. came. we do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the other grandma was in town and, mm -hmm. you know, so it's good. It was all of us to, and Caden benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like mom. I, over and over, like from the day that I made the decision that like, I cannot be married to you anymore. What do I want my kids to say about this later? Right? Like, what do mm -hmm. I want them to be able to say about how he and I handled all of this to their kids? Like, yes, we aren't married anymore, but we are still a family. So to happier stuff, like you're, there's hope because you said there's hope mm -hmm. and in your life where, mm -hmm. what did you, what were the, some of the, the ebbs and flows for you before you met this particular man that gave, gives you rosy cheeks, even he's thinking about him right now. Oh. Like you're literally getting <laughs> rosy. Look at him smile. Like, and it, beautiful. it came into my life. He came into my life very like kind of simultaneously as I was leaving my marriage, he came into my life. And yet I knew I was not looking for a relationship, not even a little bit. Neither was he, neither one of us were in the space to be in a relationship. And yet there was a draw, there was a pull toward one another. And so we said, all right, we're just going to trust this. We're just going to see where this goes. And I, we never put any pressure on one another. There was zero expectation. No We're just going to do it. No attachment, Imagine whatever that. it turns out to be is whatever it turns out to be. Mm. At the time he didn't live here. We lived on opposite sides of the state. So that was really helpful that when I was not in mom mode, when I didn't have my kids, I could put more attention toward this relationship. And when I was in mom mode, relationship was on the back burner. Or you can say to yourself or whatever. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because he didn't live here, we were very intentional with our time. When we saw each other, it was like just us and doing our thing. Um, and after about a year and a half, we realized that, okay, this is not a rebound. Like this is actually, this something is working. Really special. Yeah. This is something really and what I have said many times about my relationship with him is that it showed me not what a relationship should be, but what a relationship could be. Mm. Um, he just provides this safe space for me to be me. Um, and it is, it's fantastic. And I do the same for him. That doesn't mean it's not without challenge. That doesn't mean that it's not without like disagreement. And, you know, we are still human beings, um, but there is a massive mutual trust and respect for one another. Um, after a year and a half, he moved here. He's been here for the past five and a half 
years. We got married two years ago. Um, and yeah, there is, we just keep trusting it and I like it. it keeps going. It's interesting because there's a theme in your life I'm seeing, and it's the word intentional. And I think that when we're in our head and we're spinning out, it's hard to remember to be intentional. And I think if we can start the day off with like, you know, river, you know, loves meditation. And a lot of my friends all like we wake up and we're very intentional to the day. Mm -hmm. And I think when people are feeling stuck, feeling anxious, uh, you know, and they've, they've just sort of disassociated from what's going on around them. I think just reminding yourself to be intentional isn't like a dig. It's sort of a, this general, it's almost like when you say, I'm going to give myself a timeout, like the mm-hmm. timeout is like relaxing, but like the word intentional for me has a similar feeling in that matter. And I think when you say to yourself, I think I'm going to be intentional today, it kind of shifts you immediate. Like it's one of those really interesting words that are like, I'm going to be intentional. And you don't just go off ADHD everywhere. You're like, you're like, I'm going to be intentional in this. Unless you're mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so wait, you, and so then you intentionally wait. write a list and of things that you need to intentionally do. And you have the intention of following it. And then you <laughs> unintentionally get sidetracked from your intentions. So really what you needed is a dose of Adderall at that point. I know, I was like medication. <laughs> medication and maybe a personal assistant. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, you yeah. do need someone following you around. I, I do. I can't I do. even imagine what you would manifest the shit out of if you literally just had someone right behind you and you're like, and the idea just gets me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, try try being ADHD living with an ADHD child. Like our cupboards are never closed and our laundry's everywhere. <laughs> oh my God. That makes- my sister's <laughs> cupboards are never closed either, but that is her husband's fault. <laughs> so so and I think like what I would love to have you share, like in these last few minutes or whatever mm-hmm. we have here, but um is to really if there's any, if there's a, I like things in threes. I I love the number three. And I think things in threes feels very rounded to me in a sense, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it, um, what, what are some really cool tips that you can pull from your own journey or things that resonate with, you know, a handful of your clients, like that you could tell our listeners today that maybe, and not the typical meditation, blah, blah, like some, mm-hmm. you know, some other cool opportunities that I might not even be thinking about, but to allow them to be intentional or to slow down or to, or that they want to find their power, you know? Mm-hmm. So one of the activities that I have my be your own kind of badass group do um, very early on in our time together is write out a list of three to 10 things that bring you energy. Oh, I like that. Things that bring energy to your life. Is it going outside for a walk for 10 minutes? Is it talking to your best friend? Is it standing on your head? Like, I don't know, whatever that those things are for you, Mm -hmm. 
making a list of those things and spending 10 minutes every day doing one I, of I like those that you call things. it I like that you call it energy instead of joy like you know yeah. the go-to with lists is like what are the things that bring you joy because I think um it might be easier for people to understand what makes them like helps them reframe and reshift and 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 turn about from like the negativity mm-hmm. all the things they're feeling because mm-hmm. a lot of people are more connected with associating like understanding that they have a negative feeling and then something happens and they do they do something and it creates a positive feeling because not everyone understands what makes them feel joyful yes because they're so exactly so i love well, I exactly think, I think energy people, instead of joy totally and i think a lot of people associate joy with it costs money because they're yeah. thinking yeah. of things that actually make them happy is like jumping on a plane Mm. think of gas going somewhere getting a home mm-hmm. like all those things so I love the reframe I'm, I agree with you but I think the reason why joy doesn't feel aligned in this moment is because everybody has a whole you know sparking joy is one thing like when you're you know Maria condoing your your mm-hmm. right yeah and you're literally taking little functions or a t-shirt. That's that's different. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. that feels good to me. That's sentimental. Yeah. But I think, like you said, for the true mind shift, which is what we're talking about really here. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, I like where you So find, make a list of things that bring you energy and do one of those things every single day for 10 minutes. First thing in the morning, go outside and get fresh air on your face. First thing it's going to help your circadian rhythm. It's going to help a million set off a positive hormonal cascade in your body. Like get fresh air on your face. First thing in the morning. Um, and there is a massive, um, impact on our health when it comes to community and finding community and having community, And so if you are struggling for community, I know exactly what that feels like. First of all, send me a message on Instagram. I'll be happy to be your community. Angie.brown.harris, that's me. Um, But leaning into whatever community you have in your world. And if that is a challenge for you, I took a a deep breath because I know, I know the, uh, fear that comes with leaning, leaning into asking, like finding a community going, I am lonely and I need people and finding ways to find that community because leaning into that may mean rejection at first, may mean like, whoop, that wasn't right for me. That may mean like that, that group like wasn't said, ready for me. Adult friendships can be hard sometimes. Adult friendships are yeah. really, really hard. And, and it, so, it requires being seen. And we're mm-hmm. all so terrified of being yep. seen. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, find ways to bring yourself energy, get fresh air on your face first thing in the morning and lean into a community of people. I love that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect way to end this amazing mm-hmm. hour. It was, it has been an honor to step into this space with you too. And I really, I don't say that lightly. Um, I, my jaw fell open when river asked me to do this and 
Um, I am just truly grateful for the opportunity to speak both to the two of you and whoever happens to listen to this. So thank you very oh, much. We're for so the happy opportunity. to have you here. We're hey, so happy to have you here. Thank you. Today, because of our conversation, mm-hmm. then my day is made. Preach. hundred yeah. percent. Me too. Same, same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I very much appreciate you. So River, this was awesome. Yes. Thank Michelle, you guys. It was amazing. <laughs> okay. Bye guys. <laughs>